Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they were judged. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Notice, this is the second death. These compartments of the dead. Think of these as like a, uh, a county jail, really. Right now, they, when, people, when somebody dies, if you're a believer, you're immediately in the presence of the Lord. Or you, you go to Abraham's bosom before. I won't get into all that. But let me just say this, that when a person dies in faith, they go to Christ. They go to heaven. But when a person who dies in unbelief, they go to hell. They go to Hades. Welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Pastor Rob finalizes this area of chapter 20 in the book of Revelation, when God deals with death and Hades. If people are not listed in the book of life or have refused to come to God by faith, they will be judged and condemned by their works. The last remnant of sin's unlawful domination are done away with. How thankful we are who have received His grace, which will lead us into His presence forever. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. Jesus' head was a KJV, or an NKJV. But what choice are you going to make? Some of you here know the Lord, some of you don't. But let me tell you, you must. Come to Christ. You must be born again. There is no other option for you. The best and only option. Didn't Jesus say it to himself? We read it earlier. Choose life. Choose life. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? Planned Parenthood has chosen death. But you choose life. Choose life in every facet of it. The truth is life. Even if it hurts. The truth very rarely is easy, is it? Doing the truth, saying the truth, living the truth, it's going to be a battle because you you live on a battleground right now. But soon, as we're reading right now, that battle is going to cease because the enemy of our soul, Satan, will be finally cast into the lake of fire. I say hallelujah. I'm looking forward to that day, and boy, he hates me, and I don't really care for him either. He's broken my heart. I believe this is Jesus meeting out this judgment. What does it say in John? Jesus said, For the Father judges no one, has committed all judgment to the Son. Jesus is more rightly outfitted to do this. 
Because after all, it's he that you've rejected. Notice, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. You can't get God without Jesus. If you got Jesus, then you got God, the Father. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have God the Father either. That's what he said in another part of the gospel. It's all hinges upon him, doesn't it? But notice verse 13, the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Now, God knows your DNA. I remember uh, someone recently was asking, well, what would happen if I, if I, get, um, if I get cremated? You know, is God going to be able to raise me up at the, at the rapture? And I said, absolutely not. You, you there's no hope for you. No, of course I didn't say that. If you're burning to ash, I mean, what can he do with that? You know, you're gone. I don't know. Pick up the pieces? I mean, no, I, I make fun of that, and, uh, but, I, but I don't mean to because it was just a f- little silly thing, which is good at a moment like this. But God knows your DNA, if, if he even needs it to give you a new body. I don't think he really does. I don't think he really cares about your DNA. When Jesus was resurrected... He could have used the same body. He could have just dissolved the old body and replaced it with a new one. Because the disciples didn't even, they had a hard time. Is that that really him? Yeah, it is him. It is him. There was some confusion about him because he had a different body. Slightly different. But unbelievers for thousands of years have perished in the sea, in the lakes, in the oceans of the world. And they're beyond decomposition. Is it going to be hard for God to raise up these evil people who have rejected Christ out of the sea? Or even a believer for that matter at the rapture of the church? Is it going to be hard for him to go, you know, they're, they're everywhere now. They're in the sediment. They're, they're like 50 feet below on the ocean floor. They've been there for a couple thousand years. Boy, that's going to be a tall order. I don't know if I can do that. Hmm. No, it's not going to be a problem for God. So don't worry. You get buried in a casket, that's fine. If you get cremated, that's fine. Whatever. But notice... Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. All those who went to hell, or the place called Hades, that whole container, if you will, of of people who have rejected Christ is going to be delivered up. And death, thanatos in the Greek, whatever that means, there's something about this. I don't know if it's the physical act of death or death personified. I don't really know, but they are both going to be delivered up and the dead who were in them. And they were judged, everyone, notice, according to their works. Their works. And they were judged. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. Notice, this is the second death. These compartments of the dead. Think of these as like a, uh, a county jail, really. Right now, they, when, people, when somebody dies, if you're a believer, you're immediately in the presence of the Lord. Or you, you go to Abraham's bosom before... I won't get into all that, but let me just say this. That when a person dies in faith, they go to Christ... They go to heaven. But when a person who dies in unbelief, they go to hell. They go to Hades. And that container, wherever that is, only God knows. And he knows the the limits of it. He knows the boundaries of it. He made it. That is going to be delivered up. And they will be judged at this. And death and Hades will be cast into Gehenna or the lake of fire. We call it Gehenna. It's, It's just called the lake of fire. But that's the eternal resting place for the damned. That is eternal condemnation. That is the second death. And 
And thus the scripture will be fulfilled. What does it say in Corinthians 15? For he must reign, Jesus must reign, till he has put all enemies under his feet, and the last enemy that shall be destroyed is Thanatos, is death. The last enemy, death, and Hades, and everything with it, the whole package tied up in a nice little bow, off the back of the FedEx truck into the fire. I don't mean to sound so flippant about that, because it's not funny. It'll be a spiritual death. It will last forever. The second resurrection of those at the white, right, great, say that three times fast, at the great white throne judgment, they will receive a new body that will be outfitted for eternity that will never burn up, it will never be destroyed, but it will be outfitted for eternity in torment and fire. Nobody likes to talk about that. It's not the kind of message that people flock to. And I can understand that. In Mark's gospel, Jesus said this. He says, but whatever ca- whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And then he goes through a series that if your hand offends you and it caused you to sin, cut it off. Now, I don't believe he really meant cut it off, but you need to take it that seriously. Otherwise, we'd all be, we won't be able to write letters. We wouldn't be able to type. Every one of us would be without a hand. And by the way, we'd also be without a foot. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. Well, my feet have caused me to sin many times, but I don't, you know, I'm not walking around with a peg leg like a pirate. Or my eye. My eyes have certainly done that. Should I pluck both of my eyes out? I need to take it that seriously. Do you take it that seriously? At the end of this all, really what it means is when, we, when you think of the believer, you and I, we are born twice. We're born physically, we're born again by the Spirit of God indwelling us, and we inherit eternal life. But the unbeliever is born once. They're born once by their parents, and then they die twice because they died physically, and then they have an eternal death, the second death, which is eternal death. It'll never end. And if that mean, that sounds like it should scare you, it should scare you. It doesn't scare you because you're among the redeemed. But think of the security that you and I have that other people don't have. See, this is what Paul, I believe, when he says, the love of God constrains me. Let this get under your skin, church. Because one of the things that, in our days, evangelism is waning we're no longer talking about people, to people about Jesus. I can't wait for us to get out of these doors in the summertime when the days are longer. And man, we've we got to get out into this neighborhood again. I would love to do that. We'll do it together. We'll learn something. Don't, don't worry. Don't be scared. We'll do it together. We'll all be frightened together. And then we'll, we'll come back and we'll feel so much better. We'll be like, wow, I can do that. Of course you can. You can do it. It's good for us to do it. But not only out in our community here, out in your community, wherever you're at, be a light to the people around you, your family, the places you work, the place you go to school, wherever it is. It doesn't matter. Be a light there. And notice in verse 15 it says, And anyone not found written in the book of life, anyone not found written in the book of life, they, these are people now, not the Antichrist. Well, we've been talking about people. But they will be cast into the lake of fire as well. Again, is it because God was mean and says, I don't like you, you didn't receive me, and I just I want to be loved. 
Is he like a, a, a tyrant child that didn't get his way and therefore he's going to inflict judgment? No. No, the books are going to be open, remember. God is very happy with, by himself. He's very content with who he is. He loves fellowship with us, but he doesn't need us. He's perfectly fine before Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. He was perfectly content. But you know what? There's nothing greater than having somebody love you volitionally, willingly, giving their life, making a choice. Not just a physical, oh, you're so beautiful, of course I love you. Well, that's easy. Hollywood knows that. But real love is making a choice. Making a choice to love your mate, to love your spouse, in sickness and in health. In Hebrews 10, verse 31, it says, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I remember one time when I first got saved, I went to a, a down in South Florida. I, I was just still wet behind the ears. I was just newly born again. And I remember hearing those hellfire and brimstone messages. And I used to love them. It convicted me right to my core, but I loved it because I, I, saw, I saw for once a, a real justice. Because we don't see that in the world. And it frustrates us. And that's why people take matters into their own hands. That's why we have vigilantes. That's why people shoot out, shoot somebody outside of a courtroom because justice wasn't done inside the courtroom. Everybody knew the guy was guilty. DNA proved it. But because of a technicality or because he didn't read, read him his Miranda rights when he was arrested, all of a sudden he gets off scot-free even though he killed three women. And then is it any wonder when they let him off, the father of the deceased women or one of the deceased women shoots the man outside the courthouse. And then we go, oh, that's so horrible. Of course it's horrible. But if justice was meted in there, you know, and again, I'm not justifying what this guy did out here, but justice belongs to God. Vengeance belongs to him, right? Therefore, we don't have to do it. It belongs to him. He's a much better judge at it. He's much better at it. And when he does it, it's done in perfection. You and I just need to pray and to ask God to change our hearts. We don't need to resort to violence in any way. Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness? Yeah. Now, I want to show you something that I put together just to end here. We're going to end, but I want to show you something. And um, this is just something I, you know, as I was going through this, I, 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 because I'm a visual person, I wanted to put this in kind of a, a way that I can understand. Scott, can you, uh, never mind, just leave it up. You can see there's a big red circle over here on the right side, and then there, on the lower left-hand corner, there is a blue circle called the abyss, or the bottomless pit. And then the red circle is the lake of fire. And as we've read through Revelation chapter 20, this visually helped me understand what was happening. And I think you'll see the totality of it and, and, and how, God, how thorough God is. When we look at this, we see that in, in Revelation 19, verse 20, we saw the beast and the, uh, who was the Antichrist and the false prophet. They were cast into the lake of fire, weren't they? And then we also saw Satan being sent to the, the abyss or the bottomless pit. In twenty, in you know, chapter twenty, verses one and three, and then in Revelation twenty, verse ten, we also see now Satan now being cast into the lake of fire, taken out of his holding tank of the abyss that he'd been in for a thousand years. He gets placed in Gehenna, 
And then, at the great white throne judgment, there's Gehenna, the false prophet, the Antichrist, the devil are all in there. But God is not done. Remember, he takes death and Hades and he casts them into the lake of fire. Now they are going in there. And then finally, those who are not written in the book, Lamb's Book of Life, they also get sent to that place. And in the end, it all, they all end up there. All the agents of evil and all those who followed him will be in that lake of fire for eternity. It'll never end. Let's end with this verse. I want to end with a smile. Because <laughs> this is not easy. What did Jesus say in John 6? He said, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will, in, I will by no means cast out. God is not going to cast anybody into that place of Gehenna, or, or I'm sorry, the lake of fire. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to come to him. His love is so great. Have you ever experienced love like that? Now, maybe you grew up with a father. Maybe you grew up as a child and you had a father who was really mean to you. Or maybe your mother was really mean to you and you didn't have an adult in your life that was kind to you, that didn't really show love. Maybe Some of you grew up in abusive homes. And so your idea of a good father is so warped and it's so foreign to you. But God is not like that. Don't superimpose your experience from your childhood upon God the Father. So many people keep that, they're kept from God because they think of their earthly father, who may have been a wretch, who may have been an abuser, a drunkard, a womanizer, a drug addict, a criminal. For I have come down from heaven, Jesus says, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of the Father. Notice, this is the will of the Father, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing. When you are in Christ, you are firmly fixed in his hand. John chapter 10 says that there's nothing in heaven above or on earth beneath that can take you out of his hand. You are secure. If you are saved, you are saved. He's not going to go, oh, you gave your heart back in 1988, but you know what? You've been messing up lately. I'm taking that back. He just doesn't do it. You may go through times of slumping, and you may go through, go through times of regressing, but you're still one of his. And your life won't be real easy until you come back to the, to the father. Till you come running back like the prodigal child. And you see him smile with his arms open. Notice, this is the will of the father who sent me that of all that he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. That's you and I. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son of God, Son, and believes in him may have everlasting life. And here's the promise, and I will raise him up at the last day. And that's what we await for. We await for that rapture experience that's next on the, politi- on the uh, not the political horizon by any means, and the prophetic. That's what's next on the prophetical calendar. We believe. So what decision are you going to make? 
Will you make the decision for Christ today? Even if you've already known him, make a decision for Christ today. Make a decision in your life that you are going to read his word, that you're going to study his word, not just read it. You're going to study it and you're going to live by it. Will you live by it with me? Can we grow together in it? If there is anybody here today, please come up afterwards. You don't have to. You don't have to do anything. You can leave screaming mad if you'd like. But if there's any of you who do not know Christ, please get with somebody. I'd be more than happy to talk to you, pray with you, and receive Christ today. Don't wait until tomorrow. You don't have tomorrow. You've got right now. We're not guaranteed anything after this. Make your decision for Christ today. It has to be today, not tomorrow. And for those of you who do know Jesus, seriously, consider what you're doing right now. And anything that you're doing that doesn't add up, ask God to forgive you. And ask him for cleansing. Say, Lord, forgive me. Isn't that promise in 1 John chapter 1, isn't that still valid today? I think that's verses 8 through 10. If we confess, he is faithful to forgive and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Will you do that with me today? Let's be a church that he can look down upon and say, boy, the, you know, I mean, he sees you white in, in, his, in his blood, but practically we get defiled, don't we? If you're in that place, will you rededicate your heart to Christ today? You can do it privately. You don't have to come up. You can if you like. I'd love to pray with you. But I'm speaking especially to those that don't know Christ. Make the decision today. Come up afterwards if you like. There's plenty of, uh, got some pastors and elders would love to pray with you and for you. You don't need us, but we'd love to do it. Do not wait. Amen? Let's stand. Next week, a new heavens and a new earth. (laughs) I'm looking forward to that. As much as I'm looking forward to the millennium, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be great for us, but it still won't be the ultimate utopia. The ultimate utopia is going to be when the new heavens and the new earth come. There's going to be no room for anything except for Christ and us and our new bodies, redeemed forever in eternal bliss where there are pleasures forevermore, the good pleasures. Let's take that word back from this awful culture that we live in. And let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord. And uh, Lord, we pray for anyone this morning that has never made that commitment to you, God, that today, this very day, this moment, Lord, even right now in the privacy of their own conscience, Lord, that you would just take residence in their life, in their heart, and that you would make the exchange right now, God. Because you know more than all of us how serious that really is and how wonderful that really is. Lord, would you do that work? And please, Lord, open our hearts, open our eyes to live for you, Jesus, for those who do know you. God, help us not to play games anymore. Help us to get more serious with you than we've ever been. To be more devoted to you than we've ever been. To be reading more than we've ever been reading. To be in prayer, Lord. To be doing the things that we know we ought to do. God, have mercy on us and forgive us. Cleanse us. Send us on our way. May we do it with joy and a big smile, God. For we love you, Jesus. And we thank you that your love is far more intense than ours could ever be.
and how we long to see you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.